Welcome back to the Shankcast, everybody. Happy to have you listening. And if you're still on the feed, you're downloading the episodes, we appreciate you very much. This is uh, not a normal episode. We are going to be kind of rebooting the podcast. If I'm not going to go into details. If you're really curious about why Kevin and Megan are not on the show anymore, uh, we did a whole video kind of explaining what happened this past May, uh, so May 2020. Uh, if you go to the Essential Tennis YouTube channel, we kind of give the whole story about where they moved to, why they moved on, uh, yada, yada, yada. And so we haven't done a Shankcast episode until today. And wow. joining me are Matt Lemery and Mark Sanset. So guys, welcome. Thank you Thank very you. much. Thank you. So the reason why I love the Shankcast was it was, uh, it was a unique experience because we had three kind of lifetime career tennis coaches sitting down to talk about tennis and none of them were currently employed <laughs> at a tennis club which you guys know puts severe limitations mm-hmm. on how transparent you can be about what you actually think uh just be- because members 100 <laughs> percent and power and, and boards and uh, everything else so i thought it was just a really cool um a really cool opportunity to unpack complicated issues in tennis related to everything, everything and anything related to tennis uh, from people that have made it their career their, their entire lives. So Kevin and Megan moved on. It was really sa- uh, sad to see them go. Really enjoyed doing the show with them a lot. But here's Matt and Mark. So this is just this is not going to be a normal episode. I just want to introduce Matt and Mark. And uh, we'll start to my left since I'm left-handed. Matt, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your, your background. Uh, what's your history in tennis? And we'll just kind of start with that. Maybe a three, four, five-minute. Uh, what's, what's your experience in tennis? Definitely. Uh, so, ironically enough, Ian and I went to school together at Ferris State. And basically, I've been in the rackets industry for all of... My, my entire career, mine is basically a year and a half. So um, I started off doing all uh, at a athletic club, basically. And then I went solely to the private club side. And I spent basically 15 years just doing private club stuff. So I was director of racket sports, director um, at a couple different clubs, and doing tennis and paddle. And also my wife, who went to school with you, her name's Suzanne, um, she's a director of racket sports as well. So basically I've been enthralled in tennis and, and platform tennis since 18 years old. And it was uh, pretty unique to get out of the industry for a couple years. And then as of last June, join you um, full-time at Essential Tennis. So I'm really excited to kind of dive into some topics and and let the hair down a little bit where <laughs> usually you can't do that uh, based on what you said. So it'll be, and, and to get the other unique perspectives on it as well. But um, yeah, so it, the, the journey has been um, in tennis, you know, for, for most of my career. The real question is how long have you been growing that beard out? I'm sure people are very curious. Yeah. On so it's, it's pretty funny. I, I brought this up. We were doing commentary, Scott and I, and he asked me the same question. <laughs> and so my last year when I was at my last club, I started growing a beard and I'm like, I'm just going to let it go. And at that time, like when I started growing it, it was at the beginning of the summer 
and we we're going into paddle season, which you, you see like the members a lot, but it's a lot more chill. You're not, you don't have as many meetings. So your appearance can start to go a little bit, I'll say. <laughs> so I, I, I had a pretty good one. And then I got out of the industry and I, I joined my buddy's tech startup and they just don't care what you look like in, in that yep. world. Um, so, but the funny thing was I was telling Ian and Scott is when I decided I wanted to leave my current club, I had an interview at another club and I went to that interview in a suit and tie with my this big beard. Mm-hmm. And I went and interviewed at my buddy's tech startup in jeans and a, and a uh, button up. And uh, I didn't get the the director job, which I wasn't didn't really want it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's been going for now about five years. So I haven't trimmed it in about six months. So it's a little out of control right now. <laughs> um, but it's pretty funny. My so my oldest is seven. And my youngest is four, and I don't even think he would recognize me if I shaved it. Yeah, it's one of those so. things with um, Ira, too, who <laughs> appears on this channel for Essential Tennis quite a bit. I saw one of the earlier episodes when he was featured, in, and he didn't have a beard it's like shocking. five years ago. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. who yeah. is this guy? Yeah. So it's probably going to be the exact same thing, yeah. especially for your kids, because they see you every single exactly. day with that Gandalf-like <laughs> red bush under your chin. So it's going to be traumatic when it yeah. happens. It is. And so some, uh, it was funny. We were playing, uh, it was actually a paddle match, but one guy said, how much to play a match where I'll put up money and you put up the beard. And I'm like, <laughs> you got to fork over some dough on that. <laughs> this is uh, and I get to pick my partner, but, uh, but yeah, it's been going for a, for a long time now. There's a running joke in the IT field of the worse you are looking professionally, the better you are at your job. <laughs> and that is actually holding up to be true based on my experience. Show up in flip-flops, cargo shorts, and a stinky shirt, you got the job because you're confident. Suit and tie, nope. Nope. Not a good I, fit. I love yeah. it. All right, Mark, tell us your background in tennis. Yeah, so um started playing tennis when I was, I think, third grade. How old is that? Nine? Um, and then kind of went through the motions. I was a relatively talented junior, but I burned out because of, uh, I didn't have the mental capability. I still don't to this day. And then, uh, I went to whitewater, uh, for four years, played on the team for two years, and then, um, started playing tennis a little bit more intensely in, uh, my early twenties and been plugging away ever since I teach, uh, and coach part-time privately. And I'm a software developer full-time and doing YouTube stuff as well. And stuff like this along with Ian Essential Tennis, which I'm very grateful for, for the exposure and um, just looking to grind it out and see what I can do on the internet. Awesome. Well, I'm not going to take up any uh, any time talking. We're just going to go around one more time and want to ask you guys, what is your, my wife and I do this sometimes, high, highs and lows. Like what, thinking back across your tennis experience, what is your peak like? highest high in the sport of tennis and what is your lowest low in in the sport of tennis in terms of your personal experience it could be as a coach it could be as a player could be as a fan like what any anything related to tennis what's like the first thing that comes to mind when i ask for like your highest and your lowest uh points mark we'll start with you sure um that's a good one so highest high was i believe between my freshman and sophomore year in college when i was uh training a lot and that's when i improved and funny enough it's when i switched from a two-handed backhand to a one-handed backhand but more on that later um i beat a division one scholarship player um that was on 
in the lineup. And that was awesome. I believe the gentleman was at Western Illinois. Not the highest Division One school, but still a scholarship player nonetheless. That was fantastic. And um, I guess my lowest low in tennis was... I was thinking about quitting, I believe... How old was I? I believe I was a junior in high school. And, you know, I, not anything like super dark, but it was just one of those things where I was burning out. I was losing to kids that I didn't think I should have lost to, but obviously they won fair and square. So classic. Yeah. Yeah. But it's one of those things, that, you know. It's a universal yeah. frustration. It happens to everybody. Exactly. And you have, you know, you've, you've got other things in your mind when you're a junior in high school. Sure. You know, you've got all these hormones raging through you. You've got social statuses that you worry about, which actually doesn't matter at the end of the day. Right. Um, but, you know, I guess that was my lowest low at that moment. And I'm glad I still kept playing tennis because looking back at it, I'm like, yeah, why would you quit? <laughs> but as you said, everybody kind of has gone through that. So, you know, for a low, that's not too bad, I guess. But <laughs> just got to keep going at it. Absolutely. Matt? Yeah. So lowest low I actually have um, when I was a junior I was starting to gain a little traction, and, and I grew up in the UP, so there's, like, no mm. tennis there. Um, but I actually started playing a little bit more in Wisconsin and uh, at Green Bay and things like that. So I actually started to, you know, get uh, pretty good, and I come out the two seed. I have, like, a couple friends coming to watch. I can't remember if I was, like, 14s or 16s, and I'm playing this kid. I got rolled, like, O and O. <laughs> and it, it, I mean, I remember experiences. Like yeah. That. And I was just like, you know, I was riding this high of yeah. like, Hey, I, I yeah. broke through and like, people are actually starting to notice like, who I was. yeah. <laughs> and, and that like put a huge, um, but you know, I kind of recovered back at, you know, I played well in high school and all that good stuff, but kind of culminating that, um, you know, growing up in the UP, it's like, we're in our own little world yep. basically. <laughs> And when I got to Ferris, you know, I was 100% sure I was going to walk onto the team. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, I'm a really good player, um, and I, I'm just going to walk on. And I saw some of the guys hit that were on the team, and I was like, yeah, they're, they're good. They're better than me, but I'm still, like, I'm still very confident. And then when I saw the level of the walk-on tournament, <laughs> I was like, I am not making this team. And it was, it was a gut punch um, mm -hmm. to kind of, like, put me in perspective of where I really was. Uh, but I worked pretty hard on the game. But I think on the other side of the game, like the high part was, you know, I definitely think I could have played college tennis at a different school. I couldn't have played at Ferris. It was just above my pay grade. But when I started uh, being a, a, a coach and a director, you know, we'd get, you'd get young kids coming in all the time. Mm -hmm. And when I was teaching at a couple different clubs, either I hired interns from different schools and I would play them, and I would dust them. And I'm like, you play college tennis. So it kind of like brought me back <laughs> up a little bit. Like, hey, I'm actually maybe not, you know, I'm somewhere in that middle. So with that, and I, I think the high, high on the professional coaching side uh, for me is just, it, it, was, it was fun to take one of the programs I started uh, from scratch to building it. That was really cool. And for me, I, I've always liked like mentorship stuff. So mm -hmm three of my assistants eventually went on to become directors. So that was a big one to me for like coaching them and getting to that next stage. I don't know if I really had like a low of the low professionally. Um, you know, I think it, in the rackets industry overall, I was just burnt out of about it. Everything kind of just pissed me off. Like even if it shouldn't, 
it, it just drove me nuts. And it's, it, the little things started bothering me. So I think it was just, you know, kind of doing the same thing for, for that long. And it was a little monotonous. So. Well, how many hours were you working as a tennis director for these clubs? It has to be 45 plus. Yeah. Right? I mean, so the encore part wasn't terrible. Like as typically as when you get to be that director, you're not teaching a lot. Like maybe I was on the court 15, 20 hours, but I mean the admin, I was probably putting in another 35 plus. Um, you got the member maintenance. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're always on, you know, and, and, and that's a, the, you cra- got the grocery store. Exactly. And that's the crazy <laughs> thing is when I came into the industry, we came in basically the same year, right into the industry. And, you know, 2003, 2004, people were starting to email a lot where it used to be people just showed up. Yep. And when you left the club, like nobody could get a hold of you. There was no way to do it. But now everything is text message and email and everything. Like you just can't escape anything anymore. Isn't that amazing that technology affects any type of sports industry yeah. and industry in general? We're like, oh, wow. Now I have my phone by my side. I can never leave my work, <laughs> theoretically speaking. Right. Yeah, service industry in particular. Yeah. Your clients can get a hold of you 24 <laughs> yeah. hours a day. It's uh, it's a rough uh, rough thing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good to get get to know you guys, uh, Matt and Mark. I just wanted to break the ice a little bit and let all of you who have been on the stream for not the stream on the feed for for quite some time now, let you know who the the new hosts are. I'm really happy to have them and looking forward to diving right back into different topics about tennis. So thank you guys for for being here. Really appreciate it. And we're going to get right down to recording episode number 25.